Galatians chapter number 6. Paul is ending his letter to the church of Galatia, and in verse number 1 of chapter 6, he says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all things. Be not deceived; God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Father, we come to you tonight. I pray that you'll bless the message, and Lord, encourage our hearts. I pray that you would help to draw us closer to you, and Father, that we'll love you more as we leave here tonight. Lord, how precious it is to sing your songs, and Lord, how our hearts swell. Uh, with gratitude, with love, and Lord, what a joy it is to our hearts. And Lord, I know some people like music that's a different style or a different uh, flavor of music, but Lord, when we begin to dwell and think on the truths of some of these old hymns, Lord, it just stirs us. It draws our hearts close to you, and Lord, I thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Lord, in my life alone, I can look back and see how time after time you have been faithful, even when I was not. Lord, how many times your hand of blessing was upon me, and there were things that I look back on and see and realize that you did in my life that, Lord, there's no reason you should have done them other than you loved me and you cared for me. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, there are many here tonight that if we were to give time and to go around the room we would all be able to give testimony of those moments. And so, Lord, tonight we come to you with a heart of gratitude and sacrifice and yieldedness to you and pray that you would do your work in our hearts this evening. Through the preaching of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting, as Paul gets to the end of this book, that he gives a few uh, challenges, a few instructions to the church at Galatia. It's been puzzling to me many times as I've read this passage over the years. <coughs> as we get to the beginning of the chapter, and he begins to speak as he closes out to the brethren. He says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, lest, thyself, uh, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so often I've taken verse number 2 as a standalone verse. And that we are to bear one another's burdens. And the truth of the matter is we are, are we not? Christ has taught us that we're to bear one another's burdens. If a brother is going through a difficult time, uh, we're to try to help shoulder that burden and to pray for them and to edify them. But in the context of the passage tonight, it's dealing with a brother specifically who has been overtaken in a fault. 
and that we're to help bear the burden of the fault that is in this brother's life and to do what we can, and it is our responsibility to help restore him and bring him back to a place in his life where he's close with the Lord again. There was a question that the Lord asked years ago uh, after Cain killed Abel, uh, I'm sorry, that Cain asked, that was never answered by the Lord. It was, it was just implied. The answer was a rhetorical uh, the question was a rhetorical question, uh, and God never answered it. But I want us to think about this tonight. But when Cain killed Abel, and God came to Cain and said, Where's your brother? And uh, what was Cain's reply? You might remember what it was. Do what? Am I my brother's keeper? It's a question that we never find the Lord answering in the book of Genesis. But can I tell you this tonight, that by the time we read through the Scriptures and we see our responsibility of caring one for another, the truth of the matter is the answer to that is yes. We are our brother's keeper. We're to be helpful and responsible. And In fact, when a person is overtaken in a fault, either in a moment of weakness or in a battle of discouragement, or maybe they're going through some really dark valleys, that there are supposed to be those that are brethren that are spiritual, that have considered themselves, lest they're also tempted, that come along and they help shoulder the burden and they try to restore that person. And we call this ministry. We get involved in ministering to other people. It's to help bind up the wounds and to to help with uh, healing the brokenhearted. And we do that by showing them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a grace in the Christian life that I believe too often we have failed in. We, for whatever reason, in the recent history of our church, uh, not our churches in Keith Heights, but in, in the Baptist movement uh, and uh, other denominations that are, that are doctrinally sound, perhaps in the area of the basics of the uh, salvation and those types of things, what we would consider to be Bible preaching ministries, let's put it that way. There has been a movement among them in the last 70 to 100 years of trying to stay so far removed and separated from the world, which, by the way, we are to be removed and separated from the world. Amen. I'm not discounting that, but we've swung the pendulum so far in that direction trying to enforce this and make it a priority in the church house that we've lost the compassion for others. We've gotten to the place where uh, we've almost become very staunch and a letter of the law and not spirit of the law kind of people, and it has hurt the church over the years. Paul comes to this church here in Galatia, and he said, there's some folks in your midst that have been overtaken in a fault. And there are some of you in this church that ought to come under that person and undergird them and bear their burden with them to help them and to restore them in a spirit of meekness, lest we're also tempted. The thing that was puzzling to me as I read the first part of this chapter over the years was that in verse number 2 it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, does it not? Then we read down a little further. Let's look at verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And that verse is in reference to in the spirit of meekness considering ourselves from verse number 1. We get to verse number 4. The Bible says, let every man prove, what? His own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear, what? His own burden. 
And I've read this passage over and over again over the years, and I thought, Lord, isn't that contradictory? I mean, we, we are supposed to bear one another's burdens, and yet we're supposed to bear our own burdens? I, I don't quite understand this. And one, of the, one day I was reading this passage, and all of a sudden it was like the light bulb came on. You ever, you ever had one of those moments? Because we're reading here about two different aspects, one person, but two different aspects. <clears throat> one of them is a brother who is looking at another person who has fallen into sin perhaps. Maybe it's not even a sinful thing. Maybe they're just going through the valley right now. Maybe they're just really struggling and having a hard time. To that person, I am to bear that person's burden. But when it comes to my, my walk with God, and, and when it comes to the things of me trying to keep my life right, Paul was trying to be cautionary about this. Because if he, was, if he had ended after verse number 2, there might be some people in the church that would say, okay, I don't have to try to be right. I, I can just go out here and live my life however I want to, and it's everybody else's responsibility to help me through it. You see where I'm getting at here? It would be easy for a man to say that, wouldn't it? To say, hey, I can be overtaken in a fault because I know my brethren will come around and they'll bear my burden and they'll take care of it, so why even try? Kind of the same concept that he told the, Rome, the church in Rome, uh, the Christians in Rome, as he penned the words in chapter number 6 what, uh, of Romans, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, Grace is there for all of our sin. And if he ended it there, it would be easy for us to say, then let's sin a lot so we can get a lot of God's grace. But that's not what Paul was teaching, was it? He was saying, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And so when we look at this passage, we look at it from that same perspective. That if a brother that is not us is overtaken in a fault, then we are responsible to bear their burden. We're to be able to come and undergird them and encourage them. That then we have to say, okay, but when it comes to my life, am I to just say, you know what, I, I, I've got this weakness, and you know, the Lord knows I've got this weakness, and I just can't seem to get victory over it, and I, but who cares, you know, I'll, I'll let the brethren help me with it. That's not what Paul was saying. So Paul goes on to say in verse number 4, let every man prove his own work. All of us are to be striving to be like Christ. We're to be pressing toward the mark, and the mark is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the process of doing that, if a man then stumbles in a moment of weakness, in a moment of trial, in a moment of temptation, then we which are spiritual are supposed to come to him and to help him and undergird him and to bear his burden. But we are to make certain that our focus and our emphasis is on keeping our life right. Now, you say, Brother Greg, why is that important? Because we're going to look down a few verses and find our message here this evening. But we need to have this background and this footing to understand it. Look with me, if you will, verse number 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And so there's those that teach and those that are responsible for teaching. And the people are to take care of that person. I'm thankful for a church that takes very, very good care of its pastor. And I'm thankful for that tonight. And our church doesn't seem to have an issue with that. Verse number 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now this verse ties into verses 1 through 5. Because again, we're dealing here with, I've got to keep my life right. I'm responsible to God. 
I can't just rely on my brothers to come around me and constantly prop me up spiritually and keep me going and keep me out of temptation and keep me out of trials. I've got to eventually stand on my own two feet as a Christian and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to tell us in verse number 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And within the context of what is spoken of here, he's speaking here of the fact that we've got to be careful then. We've got to make sure that we're making the effort and that we're giving diligence to our walk with God, our time spent with Him, asking Him for victory and strength and direction in the Christian life. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we see what Paul is teaching here. He's talking about a weaker brother who perhaps falls into sin. We're to help them. But when it comes to our lives, we're to walk and we're to put forth effort and diligence and and, and do all that we can to live a life that is pleasing to Him. With all of this being said, you reap what you sow. Verse number 8, The sowing to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but walking in the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now look what he says here, and he sums it all up, verse number 9. And let us be not, what's the next word here? Weary. Be not weary. The message tonight is just simply this, be not weary. Any of you ever get tired? <laughs> Truth of the matter is we'd all have to raise our hands up, amen? Brother Everett, you ever get tired? Yes, sir, absolutely. And uh, after this little bout in the, in the hospital, he hadn't quite bounced back as well as he could, so he's only running half marathons right now. Uh, he, he won't do any full ones. But we all get tired, don't we? And what Paul is getting at here is he's saying there's... There's a watchfulness of the Christian that that there ought to be in our lives. There ought to be a a guardedness. There ought to be a putting on the whole armor of God and protecting ourselves against the wiles of the devil. And there ought to be a a steadfastness. There ought to be those of us that say in verse number 5, we're going to bear our own burden, if you will, in our spiritual walk with God. We're going to be careful about what we sow so that we're careful about what we reap. And then he goes on to say, and be not weary, (coughs) weary in... Well doing. Because the truth of the matter is when we walk with the Lord every day and we're striving and we're trying to bring our bodies into subjection, we're trying to do the things the Christian ought to do, it takes some work, doesn't it? It takes a little bit of effort to fight the good fight of faith, doesn't it? I'm reminded of the stories of David's mighty men. Have you ever read the stories of David's mighty men in the Old Testament? There were men who would go out into the field and with their swords they would stand there all day long in the battle. And the Bible would say this, that when they got done at the end of the day that their hand claved to the sword. Their hand had cramped so tightly around the sword they couldn't even let loose of their grip because they had been so exhausted in the fight. And can I tell you this, we live in a day, folks, where Satan is doing everything in his power to come into the church house And to cause people to be overtaken in a fault. I'm not talking about necessarily sin. Some of it is sin. Sometimes it's just a fault. It's just a burden. It's just a valley. And to cause them, and here's Satan's tactic, to cause them to get tired and to say, I'm done. I'm just weary. I was talking to a fellow one time. We were getting ready to have our youth conference uh, opening assembly, and we had about 400 kids or so in the auditorium. We were in the back in the office, and we spent 
a few moments praying together before we went out to open the service. Brother, his name is Brother Kenny Baldwin. My daughter, I think, my oldest, the youngest daughter knows him. Dear friend of mine. And uh, I said, Brother Kenny, are you ready? He said, ready or not, here we come. And we were kind of laughing and talking about that. I said, Brother Kenny, do you ever get tired? Because he travels all over the country and preaches everywhere. He pastors now and he's a busy man. I said, do you ever get tired? And he made a statement I'll never forget. He said, Brother Greg, he said, we ought to be tired in the ministry. But we should never be tired of the ministry. And Satan's great tactic among God's people in the day and age that we live is to come in and cause us to be weary. He puts things in our path to trip us up. He does everything that he can to cause us to become weary in the path and the journey. And hoping that we will get to the place where we will say, I am so tired and I am so weary, I'm just going to give up. You ever been there? Ever been at the point where you felt like spiritually the gas tank was just empty? Ever been there? Ever been to the place where you've shed so many tears you just didn't realize there were any more to be shed? There was nothing more to be gone. It just couldn't do it anymore. You ever been so broken hearted you couldn't talk? You couldn't go to somebody and, and even share with them what was going on in your life? You ever been that broken hearted? Satan brings these things into our lives. And he tries to get us to the place where we're overtaken in a fault and we become weary. The battle's too great. Well, Greg, it's just too hard to go through day after day after day and to wake up every morning realizing another day of having to battle the, 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 the Satan and the powers of darkness. Another day to have to endure the temptation. I want to give you some hope tonight. <clears throat> one thing I can tell you is it'll all be over soon. One way or the other, it'll all be over soon because the Bible says life is a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the... Whoo, aren't you waiting for that day? I think the rapture is going to happen soon. If it doesn't, I believe we're going to go in death and it'll be pretty soon. I don't care what age we are, if we're a teenager, it'll still be pretty soon, sooner than we want it. Whatever God chooses to do, there's going to come a day when He's going to bind the tempter, cast him into outer darkness, and we won't have to face it anymore. So I would challenge you with this, knowing that there's a finish line right out there in front of us. Let's finish strong. Let's not be weary in well-doing. Well, I want you to notice what he says here, and it ties in with verse number 8. For in due season we shall... What's the word here? Reap. What is the idea of reap? What do you have to do in order to reap? What do you have to first do? You have to sow, don't you? You have to do something. You have to, you have to cultivate. You have to water. You have to nurture. Be not weary in well-doing. What are we cultivating? What are we, what are we sowing? What are we working in? Well, we find it in verse number 8. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we go through our life. What are we supposed to be doing? Sitting back in our hammock, sipping on a cup of lemonade or iced tea? Well, that sounds pretty good right about now, doesn't it? Everywhere we go, we're supposed to be sowing, aren't we? 
We're supposed to be sowing. What are we supposed to be sowing? We're supposed to be sowing a life that's pleasing to God first and foremost. And we're supposed to be sowing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul tells the church at at Galatia, he says, Folks, there's going to come a time where you're going to get weary. You might even get overtaken in a fault. You might be struggling with your own life trying to keep it from being overtaken in a fault. And it may be a battle every single day. He said, but don't be weary. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap. But there's a condition to it. The Bible says, if ye faint not. I was talking to an older gentleman that was in the ministry who... Uh, it was a good friend of mine and he was laying in the hospital about ready to go home to be with the Lord and I sat beside his bedside and I said Brother Dale I said I want to thank you for finishing well I said I'm a young pastor And there is a temptation out there among young people in the world that we live in the culture and the society of the church movement today to compromise on doctrine. We may vary on how we do things in the church house and that's between that church and the Lord. That's not for me to get into. But when it comes to the things of doctrine in this word then I will fight for it. I will stand for it. I mean there's a movement in the church today that encourages and entices young men in ministry to forsake the doctrine of God's Word and to begin doing the work of God in the, in the strength of the flesh and with human methods and entertainment. I looked at Brother Dale laying there in the bed, 80-some years old, had been preaching the gospel 62 years. And I said, Brother Dale, thank you for finishing well. Because so many get to a place where they get to a point in their life and they say, I've served God. I've done my time. Not anymore. I'm I'm not going to serve Him anymore. I'm done. Paul said, be not weary. Be not weary. Be steadfast. My father's life verse was be therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And can I help you with something tonight? It's a it's a warm uh, end of May, Missouri night on a Sunday night. It's hot. People are tired. It's a holiday weekend. And can I tell you this? There will come times, probably even this weekend, where we will consider the fact. I'm tired. I'm weary. I, I don't know if I need to go to church all the time anymore. I, I've paid my dues. I used to do that. I don't know that I need to share the gospel everywhere I go. I, I don't know if I need to carry tracts with me and hand them out or talk to people. I don't know if I need to continue to try to live a life that is pleasing to God. I, I've done my job of that. Can I encourage you tonight? Be not weary in well-doing. For a couple of reasons. Number one, the end is near. The end is near. You say, Brother Greg, we may be here another 50 or 60 years. Yes. 
But in light of eternity, that's just a drop in the bucket. That's just a moment of time. The end is near. The rewards are well worth it. And can I tell you this? There's a great cloud of witnesses, not looking over the banisters of heaven in this case, but of younger generations behind us that are looking to us as examples. And as I looked at that that older gentleman twice my age laying there in that hospital bed very near death's door and thanked him for finishing well, I thought, Lord, help me to finish well. Help me to finish well. I've got some children that live in my house that need to see a dad that will finish well. I've got some young people that over the years God's given me the great honor and privilege of working with. And they look to Brother Greg and some of them still over these years will stay in touch with me. I want them to see me finish well. Be not weary in well-doing because others are watching. And then I'll give you the last reason tonight. Be not weary in well-doing for in due season ye shall reap if ye faint not. One day we get to stand before our Savior and we get to hear one of two things. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or thou wicked and slothful servant. I believe that some of the tears that God is going to have to wipe away in heaven. Are going to be tears of regret when we realize what God wanted to do with us. That we hindered him from doing. I believe one day we will suffer loss of reward for things that we were weary in. We just said, Lord it's too much can't go on anymore there's not a valley that's too deep that he's not there there's not a battle that is too hot that he cannot come in and solve the battle amen we sang the song a little bit ago how great thou art the bible asks it this way is there anything too hard for the lord is there anything too hard for him you say, well, then Brother Greg, how do I keep from being weary? The battles come. The trials are there. Can I tell you this? It's a real simple truth, but very hard to do. The Bible says it this way, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. If we can ever get to the place where we can take the burden, the battle, the fight, the fault that we may be overtaken in, and we say, Lord... I can't do it anymore. It's got to be you. I've got to have you do this. I can't. There are times when we, I saw a lot of heads shaking and a lot of knowing looks when I said, have you ever been weary? Have you ever been tired? Have you ever been through the valleys? And a lot of knowing looks. A lot of hardened and seasoned faces of folks who have been through there before. But can I tell you this? When we get to the point where we are weary, And we do not feel like we can continue on. We can cast our care upon Him. For He does care for us. The end is near. We need to finish well because others are looking. And because one day we're going to stand before God.
And I don't know about you, but I want to hear, well done. I'd like for the Lord Jesus Christ to look at me, not because I deserve it, but I'd like Him to look at me in my life and say, Greg, you finished well. You finished well. You weren't weary in well-doing. So I want to encourage us tonight, because I don't know about you, but I know that temptation comes into my heart. There are times that we get so so burdened and so weary that we feel like we just can't go on. There are times that we go through burdens that we would not wish on anybody. We think, Lord, how in the world am I going to endure this? How am I going to make it through? Aren't you glad He's there? He's there. And He brings us through it. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. We end with this as we have therefore opportunity. Let us do good to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. One of the best ways, my dad said, to get forget your own cares is to go out and do something for somebody else. Pretty simple, but hard to do. Go out and do something for somebody else. Let's stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for your word. Lord, we've rejoiced in singing songs that have thrilled our hearts tonight. And a very simple message, something, Lord, it's not new to us. We know these things. But, Father, sometimes we just need to be reassured of them. We need to be reminded of them through your word. Lord, you led the Apostle Paul to write these words to the church at Galatia because there were people in that church that were uh, overtaken in faults. There were those that had succumbed to temptation, had succumbed to the battle and the weariness of it, that were sowing to the flesh because sowing to the Spirit was too hard of a work. Well-doing took some effort. And Lord, you, you told the Apostle Paul, you inspired him and encouraged him to repent these words to be an encouragement to others, not to be weary in well-doing, to realize that we will reap what we sow, and if we cannot be weary in well-doing, Lord, the Bible teaches us that we will reap if we faint not. So, Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts tonight. Lord, not a message of reproof or instruction, just, Lord, a message tonight to try to lift some burdens. Just to try to help lighten the load along the way. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to keep in mind these things that there are those that are coming up behind us that look to us as an example. Whether we want them to or not, they will. Father, there certainly is the truth that you see us. You're watching us. Lord, one day we do want to hear, well done. So, Father, help us day by day to cast our cares upon you, to not be weary in well-doing. Father, that heart that may be here tonight that's burdened, maybe that's gone through some battles and is weary. And, Father, perhaps even some that have gotten close to the point of saying, I'm done. I just can't go on anymore. Lord, I pray that you would lift and ease that burden. Help us to cast our care upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (coughs) I'm going to have you go ahead and be seated.